This episode of the How of Car Washing is sponsored by Vertec Labs. Vertec Labs manufactures the best professional strength chemicals for all types of car washes. Vertec Labs products are concentrated, rinse easily, and will help the car wash owner save water. Clean better with Vertec Labs. Find out more at www.ver-techlabs.com. Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the How of Car Washing. This is David Begin, and my guest today is Tony Vertine. He's the CEO of Vertec Labs up in Minnesota. Tony's been involved in manufacturing for over 20 years. He's a graduate of the United States Military Academy in West Point, and he served as a commissioned infantry officer in the U.S. Army, and he also holds an MBA from the Wharton School of Business in the University of Pennsylvania. Tony's an industry expert on vehicle cleaning topics and is regularly invited to speak at conferences and regional associations, and he's written a number of articles for trade publications. And Tony... Uh, in his free time, enjoys cycling, cross-country skiing, and building koi ponds with his wife, which is an interesting hobby. We need to talk about that. But, Tony, thank you so much for joining us on the How of Car Washing. Well, thank you, David. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Yeah, so give me a little bit of background in terms of how you got in the car wash industry. We usually ask our guests how they gravitated toward the car wash industry. It's always an interesting story. There's very few people that start out in car washing, but they kind of gravitate toward it and end up in it. So... Tell me how you ended up in car washing. Well, I I ended up in car washing probably like many of the people you talk to by accident. And in my case, uh, I was in the Army for some time and I worked in corporate America. And uh, I came back to join some of our family businesses. My father's a serial entrepreneur and has started a number of businesses. And I got involved with one of the other businesses back in the 90s. Um, we acquired a company uh, in the late 90s, a very small chemical company local here in Minneapolis that did a little bit of car washing business. We had been in the uh, chemical business previously with a making soaps and detergents for restaurants and nursing homes for washing dishes and laundry. And I, um, I have a background in chemical manufacturing from a, a previous job after I'd gotten out of graduate school. And I, uh, in 2008, I, I was uh, asked, my dad asked me to take over Vertec Labs. And uh, that was pretty much my first exposure to car washing was how I got how I got involved in it and I subsequently learned about the business at the time we didn't do a tremendous amount of car washing business we did do some but not to the extent we did today so in the last 9 years I've I've learned quite a bit about the car washing business and and like everybody in the car washing business kind of gets in your blood and 
and uh, people really like it. And this is an industry where pretty much everybody really likes being in the car wash industry. Yeah, when people get in the car wash industry, they certainly do like it and they stay in it and they become advocates for it. But what have you seen change over the last 10 years in car washing? Just real quick, and then we'll get into our subject. What you've what have been some of the changes you've seen? Well, I mean, there, there's there's been a number of industry changes, uh, you know, in terms of there's a lot of consolidation that has occurred in the industry. But just in general, in the car washing industry, I think there's been a lot of uh, a lot more knowledge and a, and a lot of uh, people are offering more to their customers now. They're, they're building, they're investing more into these their washes. The washes are more elaborate. They offer more things to the customers in terms of more uh, services, whether it's extra services, waxes. The, there, there's just all kinds of things that are coming and they're they're offering more things to the customers, and there's some new technology coming into the industry, uh, whether it's different types of conveying systems, a little more automation, um, all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. We're seeing quite a few changes right now in the car wash industry, so it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. But your area of expertise is both water and chemical, and we're going to spend a little bit of time on water and then talk about the result of the washing process as it ends up in the reclaim and the importance of being able to manage and maintain your, your reclaim system. But water is something I'm not really – I mean, I've got a little bit of comfortableness with water. I'm not uh, terribly for building a new car wash, for example, and I know I probably need to do some water testing to see what the water quality is from the the local water utility and figure out uh, what I need to do from there as I construct my wash. But what are some things we need to be looking for as we think about water quality? Because that's such a it's such a base product that we use, and it's the primary product we use in the car wash car washing process. So, what do we need to think about? What do we need to look for? Well, you know, one of the things I think it's important not to take water for granted, and you know. It, Every wash package you are, you're going to offer your customers to your new wash or your current washes is going to use water, and it is becoming an, a substantial cost in the wash. It is more and more typical now that that the cost of water exceeds the cost of, of the chemistry in a wash, and due to regulatory reasons, it's scarcity. Uh, that's only going to increase. Water is going to become going to continue to go up. And, and, and most importantly, the quality of your water affects what the type of car you are putting out to your cut, to your cut for your customers. Uh, and today I'd like to, hopefully the information we can provide is going to allow the car wash owner and operator to number one, minimize his costs and, and maximize the performance of his wash by understanding water. Right. So what are some characteristics of water? I know in Colorado, especially Colorado Springs Utilities, we've been pretty fortunate and we look at the watersheds around us and most of the watersheds we have are reservoirs that are maintained up in the mountains. So we get a lot of snowmelt water um, that we were able to use here in uh, on the Front Range in Colorado Springs. And so our water quality, for the most part, is pretty good because it's snow melt. It's not coming from the ground. It's not coming from a long distance through a river. 
And so we've got pretty decent water quality, but what are some elements of water quality that people need to think about and look at? Well, I, I think there's, uh, first of all, I think it's important to understand that the, the quality of the water coming into your wash depends on uh, the sources of the water. You referred to uh, reservoirs. There's also a lot of people who pull water out of aquifers. The other, the other part of it is, is how it's treated through the uh, treatment facilities, whether it's a, a municipality or whatever. So uh, municipality, uh, a well, uh, there's some private entities that, that uh, cities or, or areas will hire to treat water around the country. And they're all, it, the water is all processed differently or can be processed differently depending on the locations. And so you asked about some of the things to be concerned about. Well, the water that you mentioned that the water you get from your snow melt is, in, is, is pretty good water. Um, the, the things you need to be aware of is you certainly have water hardness, uh, you have total dissolved solids, but there are there are other things in the water. There are minerals, and the minerals that that constitute your water hardness. There is um, silicates in water. Um, there are many things that are put into that are in the water that go to the treatment facility. Then there are other things added that to treat treatment facility to give water whatever properties is required either by law or uh, the standards of that treatment facility. And and so those could be different. For example, we have a small utility, water utility, where I live north of Colorado Springs, and they put additives in the water to protect the piping systems. So they might put a little bit of, uh, I don't know, calcium or something like that to help coat the pipes so the pipes last longer. As a result, we end up with scales. You know, we see a lot of scaling on our our taps in our house. So that that's an example of something they would add to the water at the water treatment plant. Wasn't there to begin with, but they added it because of maybe right. some things they're thinking about doing long term. So where I'm, we are west. We're in the town of Rockford, which is west of Minneapolis, about twenty twenty five miles. We are what I call a far suburb. So the, uh, the farms start in our backyard here, essentially. And out here, they do very rudimentary water treatment. They basically add chlorine, which chlorine, which is pretty much what every single wash will add, and fluoride for your teeth, which is that's required by law in Minnesota. It's different in different states. Uh, now, the other thing you alluded to is adding things to the pipes to coat the pipes. That's becoming increasingly common. Uh, typically, it is some sort of phosphate that they add to the pipes. It will end up coating the pipes, and it, it will prevent the corrosion, the other, uh, prevent corrosion of the pipes. The other thing it also does as a side effect is actually raises the pH of the water, uh, which is either... Uh, most people think the water coming out of the tap is around seven. It may be in your area. Uh, I have seen places where the water coming out of the tap is 10, a pH oh, of wow. 10. And wow. I would, at least in the Midwest here and other areas, it is increasingly common to find the pH 
substantially in excess of nine. So in, in the higher the pH, the less corrosion that will occur in the pipes. Okay. So as I'm looking at water, I think there's two aspects of it. There's the hardness of water and there's the total dissolved solids. Can you describe what the differences are between those and what we need to be thinking about as we're looking at those numbers? The, the, hardness, the hardness of the water is, is, a, it is typically expressed in grains per gallon, and it is uh, the soluble mineral salts, typically magnesium or calcium, and sometimes in iron or manganese, and in other parts of the country you could have some different minerals in there. And then total dissolved solids encompasses all the hardness, but there might be some other things also included in the dissolved solids in that, that account. And that total dissolved solids um, mostly affects the rinsing or the final rinsing of the product. So the actual spotting of the car is where the total dissolved solids might come into play. Right. You know, I think it's it's easier to talk about water uh, in terms of uh, what I consider the four types of water in a wash, typically. You have hard water, soft water, reverse osmosis or spot-free water, and reclaim water. And there's some different challenges and some different usages that you might consider of each of those. Uh, and the total dissolved solids we will ad- will address is part of that process. Okay. So if I have hard water, for example, I've, I've, uh, there's kits you can buy that you can test your water. And what, what, uh, what metrics would I use to determine if I have soft water or hard water, but it'd be the number of grains. But what, what would you consider to be hard water where I'd want to do something about it versus if I had soft water? Well, uh, hard water you know, soft water is considered zero to one grains of hardness, sometimes up to two. Hard water is three and a half grains and higher. And the choice of whether to do something about hard water is really, it's a business decision. City water uh, is typically, a lot of cities will partially soften the water that's either coming out of an aquifer or out of a river or a lake and they'll typically that put that in the seven to eight grain category now that uh, a lot of car wash operators think that is soft water but as i said earlier that that's hard water and it does affect the performance of your, your products in in uh, suburban areas like for instance coming out of the well where i am right now in rockford minnesota it's 30 grains per gallon hard water reacts with the detergents or some of the components in the detergents you're using. Detergents and pre-soaks and other soaps that you're using in your wash are going to clean the hard water first before they clean the car. So hard water is consuming some of the active components in your detergents. And so the harder the water, the more detergent you need uh, to provide the same amount of cleaning for your vehicle. So there, there's a general rule of thumb in the industry for every four grains per gallon of hardness, you need to use 10% more detergent 
uh, to clean the car. So if you have eight grains of hardness, you typically have to use 20% more detergent. And that, that's an easy calculation to factor as you start factoring in your chemical cost, adding 10% chemical cost would make it very easy to decide if you should do something about that. So what's the traditional way that car wash operators would try to take hard water and make it soft water? So the traditional way that, that most operators uh, do is to soften the water, is just, just a water softener. Uh, which is uh, an ion exchange system. So you are substituting sodium ions from the salt you add to the water softener with the ions, with the magnesium, calcium, iron ions there. And the sodium ions do not react with detergents, typically. The detergents don't need to clean the soft water before they clean the vehicle surface of the car. So you're you're so you're getting more firepower out of your detergents when you're using soft soft water. That's correct. You it's it's really a business decision if you can dis, it's the cost of generating your soft water versus the additional cost of soap required to wash a car. Our our water here is about three grains uh, from our testing, and we've been on the fence whether we're going to get a water softener or not. We've operated 12 years without one, but I think I'm going to go ahead and make the investment in a water softener to see if we can produce. I, I'm really big about producing a good show for our customers when it comes to, to foam and soap, and I want to see if a water softener is going to make a better display. And then my other hope is – being able to reduce a little bit of chemical costs and not not use as much chemical, but we'll see how that goes. Right. I mean, most most detergent manufacturers, as a matter of fact, all detergent manufacturers add some water conditioners to their products. And so they will help with uh, some of the hardness, but those water conditioners also have other functions in, in the perform other functions with the detergent. They suspend soils, they help rinse the car off, and so on. Three grains of hardness is not very hard. I would say uh, I, I highly encourage everybody to use a, a water softener, but uh, in your case, you might be able to get by without using it. Yeah, yeah, we, we've gotten by. I don't know how we've gotten by, but I, will we get a water softener and we'll see if we were doing a good job or not going doing a good job. So that'll be an interesting test for us, but we're in the process of getting getting one. So, so, so now if we transfer to the other type of water, let's talk about reverse osmosis water. So the main metric I think that is used in reverse osmosis water of water coming in is total dissolved solids. So one of the water quality metrics we've always seen with Colorado Springs water is the fact that our total dissolved solids have been very low. I think at one time it was around 30 to 40 TDS and now since they're pulling water from a few other sources besides just reservoirs and snow melt, we're starting to see our TDS go up to 80 or 90, which from what I understand is still not that that high. But we're able to produce RO water that virtually has no TDS in it for the final rinse stage. But what's the process that people go through with those uh, machines to produce reverse osmosis water, and why is reverse osmosis water important at the end of the car wash? 
So in your case, you have you actually do have very good quality water, and uh, uh, you know that thirty, the TDS of thirty is is very low, particularly coming out of the um, out of the faucet. I think here in Rockford, our TDS is five hundred. Oh wow! And uh, there are places where the the TDS or total dissolved solids is seven or eight hundred, and obviously that. That is going to, it's not obvious, but there, there are minerals in the water there that can leave spots on the car in the rinsing process if it dries onto the car. So a reverse osmosis unit, in general, how it works, we talked about uh, with the soft water, you're exchanging the hard water ions for a different ion, a sodium ion made out of salt. With reverse osmosis, what you're doing is you are removing those ions from the water through a membrane. And, and I'm oversimplifying this, but essentially just think of it as a filter. You are filtering out all those uh, ions in the process. And so the water is, that you're left with has low dissolved solids or is ultra pure and and much cleaner and less likely to leave spots on the car in the final rinse. So there, there's a whole bank of membranes that we use in, in the RO producing process. I would assume that if you're talking six, 700 TDS, you're going to be replacing those membranes more often than you would in our neighborhood where we're, we're receiving the water at 60 or 70 TDS. That's exactly right. Those membranes will tip if, unless there's some sort of regeneration system or a way to clean it, it just, it's going to cost you more money over time to remove those, those, uh, those solids. I would just, the membrane probably has a amount of, uh, a total amount of dissolved solids that can be removed over time. And obviously, if you have uh, with 600, you have 20 times as much solids to remove. Your the life of your membrane is going to be shorter, and it's going to be required to be replaced sooner. And obviously, it's going to cost more money to deal with that. Sure, sure, yeah. And I guess if you need, um, so if you had higher TDS, is it more important to have a our, our RO system right now is measured gallons per day. How many gallons per day can, can this particular system produce? If I've got higher TDS, am I better off getting a system that can produce more RO water or less? Because the fundamental difference is just the number of membranes or number of membrane banks that I have. I would increase the number of membrane banks. Should I increase the number of membrane banks if I've got uh, harder or got higher TDS numbers, or does it not matter? Well, I, I think it's a zero-sum game. I think it's, uh, not. It's as I referred to earlier, you're going to need to use a certain amount of RO water per day. Uh, so you need, the, you need the generation capacity. If it's 100 gallons a day or 10,000 gallons a day, you need to be able to generate that much amount of RO water in the time period you're using it. And so I would, all I would say is to size the system properly. If you, if you oversize the system, for instance, if you need to use a thousand gallons a day and you have sized the system for 10,000 gallons a day, you're still going to have to change 
your membranes or, or service your membranes or service the RO system more frequently if you're taking out 600, uh, 600 level t- total dissolved solids versus 30. So it's, a, it's just a cost factor, but having the extra capacity is always helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know we use storage tanks too. We sort of supplement our RO system with storage tanks. And I know some car wash operators have some very large systems that do 10 or 15,000 gallons a day. And they've got very small storage tanks because they can almost make it on demand where I can't quite do that. I've got about a 6,000 gallon per day system and I've got about 2,100 gallons of storage. And I'll see that on a real busy day start going down to the point at the end of the day, we might be on might be rinsing with RO water, might be rinsing with city water at the end of the day if we're really, really busy. So we're just probably a little undersized on that. Right. That That's correct. Yeah. So the, the, the other subject I want to talk about, which I think is very interesting, is reclaim water. Because I don't think about reclaim water and the entire process. I think of it as just this is where all my water goes and I store it and I end up reusing it. But You've got some very interesting ideas on the importance of making sure that your reclaim water is of good quality, and you've got some good opinions on what you need to do to get there. Uh, we do have issues with with smell, so I want to talk to you about that, how that happens, and what people really need to think about uh, in their reclaim systems to make sure that they, they as they're reusing that water, they're producing a good quality car. But uh, I would imagine nowadays everybody puts reclaim systems in it's when I started 12 years ago in the car wash industry, it was still in some areas of the country is still, it was still an option whether you wanted to put in a reclaim system or not. But today I would assume virtually everyone puts in a reclaim system. Yes. I think it would be increasingly difficult or almost impossible to get a car, a new car wash to prove without a reclaim system. You know, it, it, you know, a lot of places, unfortunately, uh, the city or the municipality requires a reclaim system. They put it in, they get their operating permit, and then they turn it off. Um, that is a very, that's very commonly happening. However, as the cost of water continues to increase, I think the reclaim systems are going to be used more and more frequently. And I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be part of car washing into the future. Yeah, I think I think it's such an important part of, of our, uh, you know, our service back to our community is making sure we're using our resources as efficiently as possible. And by using reclaim water, we're communicating to the public that, you know, we're doing our very best to try to utilize that resource um, and use water as sparingly as possible, especially here in the West where water is a big consideration because we don't have as much of it as you do up in the north part of the country or the northeast part of the country. Yeah, we want to be very careful on how we use water. But um, So talk about different reclaim systems. What, what are the different reclaim systems that are out there right now that people can consider? Well, I, I think that's better left to the, the manufacturers. However, uh, in terms of the different systems out there, they all essentially perform the same function. Uh, there are some people who they have biological reclaim systems, and uh, and but much of those the difference 
is very minimal between the biological reclaims and what I consider the traditional reclaims with the separation and the filtration. You, you need to have some sort of uh, separation system, settling tanks, where you are separating out a lot of the solids, the mud, the dirt, and so on, separating out the uh, oils and the greases in those systems. And then it goes through different types of filtration, and uh, which would be uh, some of them have cyclonic separation, some of them have bag filters or other type of filtration. Uh, before it, before it is then reused in the wash. In the biological reclaim systems, uh, they add in, they try to make them into a mini uh, wastewater treatment plant. And that by doing that, they add some of the components that you will find in a wastewater treatment plant, uh, such as uh, they oxygenate the water, which is actually uh, done in other systems as well, but they, they add oxygen to the water. They will aerate the, the water. And in some instances, they have some media in them, which will uh, serve as a place where the bacteria that will consume some of the detergents and the oils and the greases and some of the other uh, contaminants in the water, just like our, our wastewater treatment plant does, before it is reused back in the system. Okay, so the different types of systems, like a biological system versus, and we have a very simple system in our washes. We just have settling tanks with some oil sand separators in them, and then we we send it through a reclaim system that's in the the equipment room to try to clean it up. To a large extent, we use the ozone as well to try to help with the smell issue in our car wash. But uh, we've actually just recently upgraded that equipment to include some of the reclaimed cleaning processes where before we just had a very simple cyclonic filter to try to get some of the big dirt out. But we're trying to improve the quality of our reclaim water, at least going back out to the tunnel. But the reclaim water is where everything converges. So the entire car wash chemistry ends up in one big big vat and That's what correct. are some, what are some of the challenges with that and i know you're a big proponent of making sure that the ph of that water is balanced so describe a little bit about those issues that we should be thinking about well first of all the the there's there's a lot of factors that are going in there. So essentially what is in your reclaim water is everything that was on your customer's car as well as all the uh, detergents the waxes, the triple foams, the dyes that are in the triple foams, the fragrances, the tire dressing, everything that's going on the car and that is rinsed off ends up uh, back in your water reclaim. And what's really important is to have a system. So first of all, you have to have the mechanicals work properly. You have to separate out the dirt, uh, all those other things that are coming in on your customer's car. But then the more important thing on the chemistry side is the, the detergents have to work with each other instead of reacting together. And that is where I think there's a lot of uh, misinformation out there on 
reclaim systems or a lack of understanding both on uh, throughout the industry. Okay, so what am I hoping for with reclaim water? And it's it's not a subject I understand very well. I just think reclaim water is well, it's just the water you use. But what would it, what would be my best case scenario that I would be hoping for for my reclaim water in terms of pH balance, in terms of making sure the chemicals are not reacting with one another, they're playing well together, uh, so that I can reuse that water. And then what am I looking for? as that water comes back into my tunnel and I use it in my wetting processes and uh, wetting the cloth, rinsing, maybe some early rinsing uh, of the car? Well, you know, I think it all gets back to, you know, the chemistry of the system here, you know, and, and this is, this is what I, what we believe here very firmly is that it's important to have those things work together. So uh, all from all chemical manufacturers, the waxes are a certain type of chemistry, and whether it's uh, Vertec Labs or any other manufacturer out there, on the waxes and drying agents, the technology is, uh, is very, very similar, if not exactly the same. And that's the only way those waxes and drying agents will work, is a certain kind of type of chemistry. Traditional detergents, the old style detergents, react with that wax chemistry and they create large insoluble masses. They, they stick together. They stick to it rather than sitting alongside of it or working along, using your term, play together, rather than working alongside of it and not interfering with each other. They, they do not react in the reclaim pits or in the water. When the chemistry reacts or when it reacts together, when, when they are not compatible and they react together, they create bigger masses and you get the big black, uh, snotty using the not a uh, <laughs> scientific term, snotty masses in your reclaim system that causes your uh, their dirt to be thrown up on the car. You plug nozzles, you plug tips, you plug uh, you you're prematurely plugging your filters. It will require your system to have more. Uh, requires more maintenance to clean out filters or to do whatever, or pump out the pits. If you use the crop proper chemistry, that will be minimized substantially. And then the water quality throughout the reclaim. I think one of the solutions people have used, like we've got a reclaim tank system outside and there's five different tanks and we might pull from tank number three, for example, where that's the way we're going to be pulling our water to reuse it. And then people tend to divide up their, their, their trench and their tunnel so that everything further down the car wash goes into a separate tank so it doesn't mix with the water that you're drawing. Is that how people have traditionally tried to deal with this problem? I, I didn't. So you're saying that you're only you're splitting where the water goes into the in the wash. The stuff at one end of the wash is going into some different type of reclaim or some different tanks or. 
Yeah, it just it just goes into a different part of the reclaim. So our our system is a five tank reclaim system. So there's an oil sand separator between tank one and tank two, and right. and it's just it's going over the top of top of the concrete wall so that it's it's allowing the dirt to settle out. And I've heard of people setting up systems where they would put a wall in the middle of their trench in the car wash so that everything in the last third of the car wash would be the tire shine, the drying agents, some of those things could go into a different tank, would go into tank number four, for example, and it would bypass tank number three uh, so that uh, when you're drawing from tank number three, you're not mixing in some of those silicones and things that come with well, tire shine. I, I don't, again, I, I don't, I have not, I have heard that people will separate out their, the collection process in the wash. Um, that is certainly a way of, of dealing with the problem. I don't think that's the proper way to do it. I, I go back to using the correct chemistry. You know, if you use the correct chemistry, you don't have to, you do not absolutely have to separate anything because it will all separate out by itself. And it's, right. it, it's, the, the chemical manufacturers, your suppliers, should know what reclaim compatible chemistry is. And I'm sure they do. They may they may not choose to do that, use that, or, or you may not choose to use it. But there is a there's a cost, and then there's a consequence of that. The um, you get the People who turn off the reclaim systems because they can't figure out how to use it. The odors. The odors come from sulfonated detergents as well as sulfuric acid if that's used in the wash, if you use that, a low pH product. And so um, I have a very, we believe very differently on, on this uh, compared to most people. We, if you use the right chemistry, you don't need to do anything else and you can dump it all together in your reclaim system and uh you know we've done this too many times and we're 100 percent confident in that answer um and it may be, may not be a popular answer but that's what we firmly believe is that if you use the proper uh chemistry you're not going to have any problems it will work there are detergents out there that will uh that will have absolutely no problem at all reacting with the waxes. Um, I think it is a difficult thing to do to separate it out uh, because you're also losing some of the capacity or some of your separation capacity of your wash. If you have five tanks that successively settle out the product, uh, settle out things or skim the oils or the detergents off, if, if they they float, silicones are, is lighter. Silicone is lighter than water so that would typically float and it could be skimmed off as well yeah Um, yeah. so so talk about the smell problem because i you you alluded to that but i know we've always had issues before we got some better reclaimed technology we've always had some issues at least one of our car washes where in the summertime more than the wintertime we have a car wash smell problem that lingers for the first two or three hours of operations until we get our water moving. But how does that happen? And 
Uh, obviously, you're a proponent of better chemistry would take care of that problem, but how does that problem start in the first well, place? So the 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 odors are hydrogen sulfide. Uh, you know, it, it is a combination of hydrogen, or it's coming from the combination of water and, and sulfur content in there, and the smell usually comes from bacteria or bugs that are in your reclaim system that are consuming uh, or that are breaking it down like it would do in a sewage treatment plant, breaking down some of that material there. And the bugs uh, are essentially off-gassing the hydrogen sulfide smell and odors. And there are, pl there are times when it can be so bad that it will turn the I've seen copper pipes in washes turn black uh, where the hydrogen sulfide uh, reacts with the copper and becomes copper sulfide. So that is, that is really, you have to have a sulfur content for that to happen. And, um, and so that's from sulfonated detergents, which is very commonly used, as well as uh, high sulfuric acid, if, if that were to be used in your car wash. Using compatible chemicals, you believe, would minimize or eliminate that smell? If you, you don't use anything, either sulfonated detergents or sulfuric acid, there's no sulfur source uh, for the, the bugs to off-gas the sulfide gas, the hydrogen sulfide gas. That's one thing. But yes, I, I do believe that the, it I know people are looking for a more complex answer, but it really is as simple as using the proper chemistry. Um, now, people do things to minimize the smells, uh, which which is which I really think is treating a symptom rather than the cause. But you, there's a lot of people who use peroxide or ozone or bleach uh, that will uh, knock down the smells for a period of time. Uh, aeration, uh, some of the things that the biological reclaim systems do also help with smell, although it does produce a lot of smell at night when you come in in the morning. If you have a closed, no way to aerate outside the building, there typically is a pretty good sulfur, uh, hydrogen sulfide smell in the wash at that point in time. But you, ha you, need, the, you need the sulfur source to do that. And... Um, you know, so. So take away the sulfur source and it uh, dramatically improves your situation. That, yes, it, it, you take away the sulfur sources, it will cut down the odors dramatically. There still could be odors from these large masses that can form with these, uh, the snotty masses there as, because uh, there could be some sulfur just from the, um, on cars or other sources out there, just part of the dirt. You never know, but it will cut it down dramatically. It's really a hard thing. I mean, I, I, I would guess that uh, other people would come in and tell you something differently, but uh, we've done extensive research into this, and uh, we're, we're very, very confident in our answer. You know, I don't think biodegradable is a component. I mean, that it's using biodegradable detergents is very important, but that's that is not what determines whether something's reclaim compatible. Right. And, right. And knock down the smells. 
So what are you seeing in chemical technologies going forward? What are some of the the research and innovations that car wash operators can possibly see in the next three to five years? There's a lot of things that are going on in, in chemistry, and there's more just, just like in uh, electronics and computers, there's a lot of things that are changing on a daily basis. Um, I think you're going to find that some of the raw material suppliers uh, are going to spend more time developing the suppliers to my company and other chemical companies are going to spend more time developing products specifically for car washes uh, that will work better. I think there's going to be, there's more of a recognition of uh, some of the alternative detergents that would be considered reclaim compatible. There's also better cleaning chemistry coming out there that that are going to allow the cars to be cleaned better. Um, there are kind of some off-the-wall things that have been introduced in terms of uh, detergents that might turn color, uh, start out red and turn blue or turn white or turn green, depending on various parameters. might be something that would be interesting for the customers. Um, I also think... Uh, there's a lot of technology or a lot of people looking at different protectants uh, that can be used for the vehicles. Um, right now, some of the, the products out there don't lend themselves real easily to be applied through a car wash. It's easier to apply by hand or uh, doesn't really uh, work very well for mixing with water like some of the lotus leaf technology out there is very difficult to mix with water but there's a lot of things that are becoming out there it's going to be a lot of changes in the industry i i also think corrosion and protection is going to be a bigger issue going forward i think there's a lot of uh, uh research into that area as it relates to cars uh with road salts well, you know you know, cars cars have gotten so much better at that in the last 20 or 30 years. And I know at least in, in the Western U.S., we don't see as much corrosion because we don't have the humidity problems. Is are Do people still see that in the north and northeast where their cars can corrode over time? And a lot of it has to do with what the Department of Transportation in the particular state is putting down in the wintertime to keep the roads clear uh, as that comes up on a car. Um, there could be some issues with that. And I know there's been some changes, at least in Colorado, in the formulation of the chemicals and the, the uh, salt sand that they're putting down. But is corrosion still becoming a – is it still an issue, but it's getting better? Or what are your thoughts? Well, I think corrosion is actually getting much worse in the, uh, the rust belt areas. The higher humidity areas, it's becoming a bigger problem. Uh, it's a – you know, I work, I do things in the trucking industry where it's a multi-billion dollar problem. The other thing that's affecting that is the unibody construction of vehicles uh, where you are getting the corrosion in one part of the vehicle and it affects the whole structural integrity of the vehicle. I would say in contrast to the lower humidity areas like you may see down there, uh, when I grew up 
uh, in I'm 57 years old, so I grew up in the 70s there with cars and everything. There were a lot of rusted cars at that point in time. You always in Minnesota, it was always nice to be able to buy a used car from somebody in Arizona or California where it wasn't exposed to any of the uh, right. road salts and everything. However, that and that problem went away for a while. Now it's coming back, and it's 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 getting worse. And the road salts, unfortunately, what they use up here, there may be some other technology down there, is actually the most efficient way to take the salt off the road. And actually, it's the best thing for the environment too, compared to table salt, which might have been used back in the days. Now they use magnesium or calcium chloride, depending on what part of the country you're in. Yeah, yeah, we're using a lot of magnesium chloride here in Colorado because I think they believe it's more environmentally friendly. Plus, it cuts the ice down quite yeah. a bit. But uh, but they've they've messed with the formulation of the salt and sand in the last couple of years, so that's that's changed. But that's interesting that you feel like corrosion is becoming more of a problem because it was one of those things that I thought had sort of been taken care of by the automotive industry, but looks like it's starting to rear its ugly head again. Well, one of the other things that's interesting about road salts is it's actually used for uh, more road salts or more salts that are used on roads is used for in the summer for dust suppression than it is used for melting the ice on the roads. Uh, I learned that by accident by talking to a company that once hauled uh, they hauled calcium chloride in their trucks, and, and they said they sell and use a lot more calcium chloride, which is what they use in the western half of the United, or the eastern half of the United States, uh, in the summer than they do in the winter. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know that. that is, it is interesting, and I'm sure it's used. Uh, some road salts are used for dust suppression, suppressants out in your area. Magnesium chloride would be one of them. And yeah. uh, when it rains or it gets wet, that would, uh, even during the summer, that could potentially cause some problems. Yeah, we, we've seen a lot of issues with magnesium chloride when they get out and start putting that on the roads, whether it's dirt roads or whether it's the actual roads. You know, the way it sticks to the car, it's very important to to get that off and to get, get your car washed. And the state of Colorado was actually doing some advertising around that maybe five to seven years ago, and they're not doing it lately, but... They're trying to really encourage car uh, car owners to get that off their car as quickly as possible, which was a help to us in our industry. It 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 is very important to do that, and it's very important. You know, it's the bigger problems occur on the bottom of the cars rather than where the paint is. You know, the painted surfaces of the car, the glass surfaces of the car, are not likely to be affected by uh, road salts. It's the exposed metals. On the typically on the underside of the vehicles, right, right. Well, good, good. All right. Well, um, anything else to add before we wrap up here? Any, uh, you know, if people- uh, uh, David, one thing I did want to say about water earlier in the uses in the car wash. I think there's. Uh, um, we'll we'll just talk here before I say this. There are, you know, you have hard, soft, and RO water. There are the best places to use each uh, in there. For instance, and this we could probably go back and edit this back and ask some questions here. But, you know, it the most efficient thing to use with drying agent is hard water. Um, and you don't want to use RO water with it. So, I mean, if you wanted to ask some questions about that, I, I can lay that out okay. there because it's... 
that's actually part of the, it's something that I don't think everybody knows or understands. Tell us where you think there's different types of water that you would use in the car wash. So where would you use different types of water through the wash and rinse process in the car wash? So uh, this, there are certain areas, obviously you have the wash end and you have the wax end and then you have the rinsing. So I, I tried to break that down in the wash end. I think the, the best thing to use where you're using the pre-soaks and the detergents is to use soft water. Uh, that is going to minimize your use of chemicals, and it is not that expensive to generate uh, soft water. And it's not going to consume any of your detergency. And for rinsing, uh, which is typically the highest volume in the wash, this is not your final RO rinse. I would use hard water. It's the most cost-effective choice. You're rinsing detergents off, typically, and you're going to have some other things go on the car after that. So you don't have to worry about the spotting problem. And for waxes and drying agents, you really want to use uh, hard water in that situation. What hard water does is it actually is the um, I'm looking for my notes here I lost the thing here uh, it hard water creates the uh, is creates high surface tension which also creates the most uh, round droplets which make it creates round droplets which are the easiest to blow off the car so if you have uh, most people don't a lot of people will add actually RO water to their drying agents, which is they work against each other because the the drying agents tend to want to beat up the water and the RO water tends to flatten on the surface. Okay. Okay. That makes good sense. So when you say hard water, you might be referring just to the city tap water in this particular case. So untreated water, either through RO or through water softeners, just use your city water. Use your city water. The Actually, the harder the water the drier your car okay uh, so it's not a lot of people uh i know that or do that but that's that's an important thing to to know because it will cut your drying agent cost as well as your water cost because the hard water is probably the least expensive water in your wash okay so quick question for you and then we'll wrap up so my ro reject water we know it takes for every gallon of uh, RO water, it might take a gallon or two gallons to make it. So there's the RO water, and it separates off an RO reject water. Uh, we have recently started using our the RO reject water in our furnace rinsing process. Um, is there anything to be concerned with that, or what should people do with our RO reject water? I they should definitely reuse it, whether you use it in a, a rinse process. I actually think you can use our reject water with your pre-soaks. Okay. And, uh, but you should definitely use that water. That's, first of all, you're, you know, for every, as you said earlier, for every gallon of RO water you're making, you need to make, it takes two or three gallons of fresh water or hard water that's coming into the facility. So, that water is still good to be used. You can use it for, as again, for a, um, for rinsing. 
it's it's important to reuse it. Otherwise, it'd be very expensive to generate RO water. Okay, great, good, good. Okay, that's what we're doing. So that's good news. I was always concerned a little bit about there are reject because I didn't know what was in it, but um, it's good advice to, to to reuse it. And I know it's it's reduced our overall water usage quite a bit by using their RO reject water. So right. good dis- good discussion on all facets of water and car wash chemistry. This has been very fascinating to me and I've learned a lot. So I appreciate it. And I'm sure our audience will will benefit from this discussion. If people wanted to find out more information about Veritech Labs, Tony, where would you recommend that they go? Well, they can, if they have more questions on this or any other things uh, related to uh, car wash chemistry or water, they can check our website out, www.vertechlabs.com, or they can certainly call me. And if I can't help them, somebody on our technical staff will be able to. And uh, I, I'd love to discuss this topic. Uh, it's, I find it very interesting because I do think it's going to be a, it's going to be a increasingly important factor in car washing in the future. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. I think it's something we're all going to be watching for and looking forward to some of the new technologies. Do you want to spell the website real quick, Tony, for people? Cause I know it might be a little different than what they're expecting. So it's, it's, uh, obviously www. Vertech Labs, which is V as in Victor, E-R hyphen or hyphen T-E-C-H L-A-B-S dot com. So if people wanted to get a hold of you directly, what would the telephone number be for your offices there in Minnesota? Our our 800 number is 877-866-9742. And you can get me at extension 223 if you want to talk to me directly. Okay, terrific. Well, Tony, thank you so much. This was a fascinating discussion. I learned a lot about car wash chemistry and the different types of water and um, looking forward to seeing what the new technologies are coming. And uh, well, maybe we'll get to visit again. So thanks so much, Tony. Appreciate your time. Well, thank you, David. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, talking with you. You have a great day. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The How of Car Washing. And thanks to our show sponsor, Vertech Labs. Please visit us at thehowofcarwashing.com for the show notes to this episode. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.